Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, um, I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor here. And if you're here um, in the room or you're joining us online, really glad that all of you are with us here today. We're in a series where we're talking about the commands of Jesus. And I don't know if you know this, but it's been told to me enough times that, that I feel like we should all know. And here's the thing you should know. I, I, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. And because the reason I know that I don't get it is because, again, people, people tell me this, and, and, it's, and it's different. You may be thinking, what, what is it you don't get? And, like, again, you know, it, it depends. And so someone will talk to me after the service or, or, or will, will want to meet with me, and they'll say, man, you just don't get it. Let, let me tell you, let me tell you what, what the Bible is all about. Let me tell you what being a Christian is all about. And then what comes out of there is next is a very passionate a very strong defense of one really, again, not an unimportant thing, a really important thing from the Bible. And they'll be like, and that is the most important thing. That is the number one thing. And all this other stuff that you're, you're concerned about, the church, you just don't get it. It's all about this. And again, it's, it's different every time. Um, sometimes it will be a, a particular type of ministry. Man, it is. Let me tell you what it's all about. It's all about us as a church and God's people loving the poor. Okay. It's all about global missions, taking the gospel to other countries. No, it's all about evangelism, telling people about Jesus. That's it. That, that is the thing that matters. Or sometimes it's a, it's, it's a spiritual practice. It's like, man, you, you, you're worried about all these other things. Let me tell you what it's all about. It's just all about God's word. It's all about prayer. It's all about just listening to the Holy Spirit. And every time, like I love it every time. I wasn't sarcastic. (laughs) Except for the part where I don't get it. I don't love that part. I I love it. The thing that I love about it is because what you begin to see is this deep-rooted passion that someone has for an incredibly important aspect of this big picture that God has called us to. And, 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 I, and, I, and I love, and I love to hear it. And also what this represents, is it represents this, this desire that so many of us have to try to figure it out. Like we're looking for some key, and if we just have this one key, it unlocks everything else. Because the reality of it is, being a follower of God and understanding the totality of what it is that he has called us to as individuals and as a church it's big, it's complex, and we're looking for simplicity. And I appreciate that too. But there's another place where I don't get it, and this is usually not from people inside the church, but from outside the church, when I'm interacting with people who would say they don't have a favorable opinion of church. And, um, and, and it will go something like this, like, man, you guys in church, you pastors, man, you're worried too much about this other stuff. You're worried about obedience, You're worried about believing the right things. And it's like, bro, it's all about love, man. It's just about love. And the thing that all of the people have in common, including love man, is that they're all right. I've never never had anybody come to me with one of those things. It's like, bro, that's not in the Bible anywhere. Like, why would you even think God cares about that? Like, it's always really awesome. But it all just kind of ultimately fall short and 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 the really the, the, the really weird thing is that probably the person who's come the closest is love man 
And, but love man, his definition of love, his problem is his definition of love. That he has a tragically incomplete idea of what it means to really love God. But this passage that we're going to look at today is the great commandment. The great commandments where Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment in Scripture? And his answer to the most important command in all of Scripture, the top two, both revolve around this idea of love. And if you've been with us from the beginning of this series, we started in John 14. We started in John 14 where Jesus says, hey, the one who understands all, everything I've commanded and, and actually does it and obeys my commandments, that's the person that loves me. And the person that loves me is going to be in great relationship with the Father and be in great relationship with me. And ultimately, I'm just going to reveal more and more of myself to him. So the whole premise of this series is, well, if that's, if that, if that's what it's, if, if, if really love for God is demonstrated through obedience, it's important for us to, well, what does he command? And last week we looked at the first command that Jesus gives, which is just to follow him and he'll make us fishers of men, how he has called us to, to follow him in faith and ultimately by used by him to make a difference in the lives of people, to make a difference in the lives of people in this world. And that's what he's called us to. And today we're going to look at, because the answer to the question, what would Jesus say is the most important of the commands? Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. One of the things that I've always said is that if we, if we say that we're going to be followers of Jesus, and there is a place in the scripture where someone asks Jesus, what is the most important thing you can do? And he gives an answer to that question, whatever that is, should be a, the foundational principle of who we are as a church and as individual followers of Christ. And so he's asked this, what's the most important commandment? And he says, love God with everything that you are. And he doesn't leave it there. He says, and there's a second one that's just like it. It's real close. I got to give you two. You ask for one, I got to give you two. That you need to love people the way that you love yourself. And then he says something incredible that we're going to look at just in more in depth here in a little bit. He says, everything else, everything else, everything else in the law, everything else in the prophets, everything else depends on these, on these two commandments. Everything else is just kind of a subset of that. And so trying to then understand what does Jesus mean when he says love God with everything? And what does Jesus mean when he says to love other people the way that we love ourselves? Really does seem to be a key to help us understand everything else that he is commanding us to do. So we're going to kind of look at this kind of just a little bit to make sure we just kind of understand these different principles. And the first one kind of goes back to the thing that we were talking about two weeks ago, and I mentioned in John 14, where he says, if you obey my commandments, that shows that you love me. And then he says here, the greatest commandment is to love God. And so ultimately what we get from these two verses is that love and obedience are strongly connected. I don't know if you know what a circular reasoning is or a circular argument. So we start in John 14, 21, and Jesus says, 
hey, if you want to love me, you need to obey everything that I've commanded. Okay, great. What do you command? I command you to love God. And what does that mean? Well, it means obedience. Well, how do I obey? By loving? How do you love? By obedience. And you just kind of can get stuck in this circle of like, bro, I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to need you to put this out a little bit more than this because if love is obedience and obedience is love, like, I, need, I need some help. But, but I think at a minimum we can walk away from this understanding that in the mind of God, our love for Him is incredibly linked and connected with this idea of obedience which we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. This makes sense if we're talking about the creator, God of the universe, the Lord, the King, the one who sent his son to save us, the one that we have pledged our lives to, the one that has done so much for us. We're not talking about simply a friend. We're not talking about a partner. We're talking about the Lord of the universe. And it would make sense that one of the primary ways that you would show love towards God is through obedience. But the way Jesus describes love here with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, everything about you, I think we can realize that, that, that even though obedience is very strongly connected, it's not completely equated with love. There is more to love than obedience. But obedience is, is a primary part of what it means for us to love God. And so we love with obedience and we show our obedience through love. And I think it's important as we kind of put our mind around this link, kind of make sure that we understand this, that if you say that you love God, but you don't obey, that's something, but it's not love by Jesus' own definition of love. But I think it's also very important to say that if you obey, if you are working really hard to follow all the rules, you're doing all the things that the Bible says do, and you're trying to not do the things that Jesus says don't do, but you're not doing it from a heart of love, then that's not really obedience. Love without obedience isn't love, and obedience without love isn't obedience. He is calling us to start first and foremost with a passionate, deep love for Him. And what must flow from that is obedience. And so He says this, hey, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with everything that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then He says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And I think this is probably the most important observation that we can make from this passage, which is to recognize that every other command depends on these two. Every other command in Scripture depends on these two. Everything else that you can think of is a subset of these two. So he says, when he says law and the prophets, for our purposes, essentially what he's saying there is everything else in the Old Testament is flows from this, comes from this, is a, is a subset of this, is a description of this, everything else that you see, every possible command. Because one of the interesting things I, I find about this passage is when Jesus asks, hey, what's the greatest command in the whole Bible? Is that he doesn't give a command the way that we normally think of commands. If I was like, hey, man, tell me, tell me, a, Bible, tell me, tell me a Bible command. You come up with a list, whatever. And I said, what's the most important one? Most people are going to go to a do not. And in fact, if I said, what is the most important command in Scripture, probably you'd be like, I don't, like, 
don't murder, right? Like, like, and I, I, I mean, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be real hard to argue with that. Well, I don't know. It's up there. Like, like yeah, don't murder. That seems to be like, like, like top shelf, and, 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 and it is. And do please not hear anything that I'm saying the next 20 minutes. That's going to come down from that. But what Jesus says here is that anything else that you can think of, all the do-nots, all the good things that you're supposed to do, really are a reflection of those two. Which I think is fairly obvious. You know, second commandment. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself. What's a good way to do that? Not murder. I mean, I mean it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, I mean, like it's real basic. But then all, all, of the, all of the Ten Commandments describe, don't envy, don't steal, don't lie, don't murder. Honor your parents. Okay? What about loving God? Don't, don't make an idol. Don't worship anybody else. Honor his Sabbath day. I mean, there's all of these things where basically the descriptions of all of these other commands really fall into one of these categories. The stories that we find in the Old Testament are either great examples of showing us how to love God or love people or negative examples that you need to run away from. Don't be like this. It is God showing us through story, through proclamations, through predictions, through prophecy, through commandments, saying, this is how you can love me. And this is the most appropriate way and the best way to show love to other people. Everything else comes from this. And I think this idea is probably more intuitive to us than maybe we even realize. Because if I were going to say, okay, Charlie, what do, you th- what do you think is the key for me to be successful at work? Okay, do what your boss tells you to do and be a good teammate. You know, just the boss tells you to do it, you should do it. And then don't be a jerk to the other people that you work with. Be a good friend, be kind to the people around you. I mean, what's the best advice you can give to a kid? Listen to your parents. Don't pick fights with your siblings. Be a good brother. Be a good sister. I think there's this sense in which that just kind of makes sense in when we find ourselves in relationships where there's an authority structure. I'm going to submit myself to the authority structure. And, and I'm going to be kind and loving to the people around me. And this is essentially what God is saying. It's like you want to do well here. Submit yourself to me. Let's be in good relationship. Love me with everything you have. And then, and then love each other. These are the keys to success. And as you understand that, everything else is going to kind of flow from that. And the way Jesus says it, essentially what he's saying is if, if you can figure out what it really means to love me with everything that you are and to love somebody else the way you love yourself, if you can figure out those two things, you're essentially figuring it all out. If you do those two things well, you'll ultimately do everything. But there's a reverse thing that's true here too. You can do all of the do's and not do any of the don'ts. But if you're not doing it out of a motivation and a heart of a relational love and connection with God, you've missed out on everything. So it, it, it starts here. It starts with love. And now, ultimately, I realize they're connected. I realize every com- other command depends on these two. And then ultimately, then what's left for us 
is to live lives of love. I need to live a life of love. I need to figure out what does the Bible mean by loving God? What does God mean by that? What does he mean by loving other people? We ask the question, okay, if it's all about love, what is love? Now, I'd like to pause here for a second. I say, what is love? Is there anybody here old enough to think Howard Jones? Or is everybody here about to say, baby, don't hurt me? So old. Anyways, what is love, baby? Don't hurt me. Okay. Um, what, what, what is it? What does God mean by this? How, how do I best and fully and completely show him love? How do I best and completely show other people love? And there are descriptors here that I think that are important. When Jesus says, talk about loving, loving God, well, just you, you do that with everything, with the way that you think, the way that you feel, with the way that you act. Everything about you needs to demonstrate love for God. And the way that you demonstrate love for people is you just give them the same consideration that you give yourself. Prioritize other people the way that you prioritize yourself. And even though both of those ideas are really, really deep, they're actually fairly simple concepts. I'm going to love God with everything, the way that I think, the way that I feel, the way that I act. And I'm going to love people the way that I love me. I always do what I always try to do what's best for me. I'm always forgiving me. I'm always, you know, doing, you know, thinking about, hey, is this going to hurt me? Is this going to help me? Just do that with other people. These are fairly simple concepts. And so there's a part of me that thinks that our asking of this question, okay, well, if it's just about loving God, what does, it, what does that mean? What does it mean to love people? That there's a sense in which that what we're coming at this with is the same sort of energy that I used to bring to high school. I could say high school, but high school, college, anytime I was pursuing any academic degree. I, I, I hesitate to say that I brought the same effort to grad school when I was getting my master's in theology or whatever, right? But it's true. Like, the attitude is like, you get the syllabus, it's syllabus time, you think, like, what, what's, the, what's the minimum amount of work I got to get in to get the maximum grade that I want? Oh, okay, what, is, what does the Bible mean by love? Like, sometimes I think that's, that's the attitude that we're bringing in. Well, I need you to define this for me. I don't want to accidentally do homework that I don't have to turn in. I don't want to have to work too hard at this. When, when really, I mean, like, you, you wouldn't, we wouldn't look for these sort of precise definitions in any of our other relationships. You know, it's, you're getting married, and the preacher says, do you, do you pledge to love your wife? Well, yeah, well, what do you mean by that exactly? <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, there's, just, there's, just nothing, there's nothing that comes after that that's good and healthy. But I think we know what it means. And in fact, that is in large part what marriage is. It really is in large part what pursuit of any real relationship is. I want to show you love. I want to receive love for you. And the way that I do this, I'm going to learn as much as I can about you so that I can figure out what are the best ways to show you in particular love. 
Because love is, a, it is, it is a, a broad concept, but we all experience it differently. There's different things that you can do for me that mean more to me than maybe it would for somebody else. I mean, there's a whole series of books and Bible studies and things that have been out for years talking about this idea, and they call it love languages, where you learn about somebody else and learn about yourself, about the best ways that I can be shown love, whether it's through physical affection or through compliments, through quality time, through gifts. There's all these different ideas. And loving someone is figuring that out. And with God, it's no different. If, if anything, with God, it's simpler because with each other, it's a bit of a moving target. Because the best way to love somebody is going to change in different seasons. And I've been experiencing this for over 27 years now with my wife. That like the best way to love her was different when we had no kids versus when we had small kids versus when we had teenagers versus when she was a stay-at-home mom versus when she had a part-time job versus now when she has a full-time job. What communicates love to her is different at different times. And it is my job, it is my duty, it is my great privilege to figure that out. Now, God is unchanging. And we can easily figure it out in the same sorts of ways. I'm just going to get to know him. He's put, he's put his word out there. Here, here's everything that I have. Here's, here's the things that I want you to know about me. And about the way that you and I should interact and ways that we shouldn't interact and, and how I'll love you and how you can show love to me. Like it's 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 there. And then and then you can talk to him, you can communicate to him through prayer. His spirit will talk to you. Are you noticing that all the other things that I all the things that I don't get are all ultimately coming in here, right? The prayer, the word, the the listening to the spirit, it's all there. These are all demonstrations of love. And God is cover to cover telling us the best way for us to pursue Him. And then we think about, okay, well then how do, how do I love other people? And again, there, there, there seems to be a, a, a great divide out there between the best way to show love to people. And there's a compassion group, and then there's kind of a truth group. The best way to show love to somebody if they are separated from God, lost in their sin, is to communicate to them, hey, did you know that you're lost in your sin and you're in desperate need of Jesus? And then there's another good. Now, the best way is just to show physical and emotional compassion for them. And again, I've had both of these groups tell me that sometimes, well, you just don't get it. It's, it's, it's about this. And no, it's about this. And, and, and it's like, it's, it's all of this. It is all of this. The way that we show love to people is very different depending on any number of circumstances. How well you know the person, who that person is, what they're about to do, your nature of your relationship, where they are. I mean, there's any number of factors. But we're not looking for rules to sort this out. We're looking to be people who, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we are looking for a way that we can demonstrate the love of God and our love for them to people. And that will always be a mixture of these two things. Of giving them the truth that they need and the compassion and the grace that they need. This is who God has called us to be with them. Um, last, uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago, uh, my younger daughter Layla, who is awesome, she, um, she was at tennis camp. We talked a little bit about that last week. And this week we're at art camp. We did art camp every day. 
9 to 3. And sometimes I would drop off her and her friend Ella. Sometimes I would pick them up. And on Thursday, on Thursday, I went to go pick her up. And um, it's kind of like school drop-off. You kind of get in this little cul-de-sac. Somebody comes out. You have to show your little sticker that says, I can take these kids. So I show. I can pick up this one. Because, okay. So then she goes back inside, and she doesn't come back for like, like five minutes. And I'm starting to suspect something is afoot. And I'm not thinking, I'm not a worrier in this sense. I'm not thinking that there is something wrong. I am thinking that my awesome, incredible daughter is choosing to not come. That there is something going on in there that she does not want to be separated from. And sure enough, after five minutes, the, uh, the, the person that's worked there, she comes out. She's got this look on her face. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this is, this is about to be amazing. And um, she says to me, um, she and Ella, they're still working on their play and um, they, they, uh, they would like to keep working on it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And she said, um, she said to me, is it, a man? is it a man? Is it a man in a red car? And I told her yes. And then she said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tell him we're working on our play. He'll wait. <laughs> and I did. And it's a funny story, it's, a, it's, it's, it's cute, it's a laugh. But here's the thing, I mean, when you're nine and your older sisters are both in their 20s and you've got parents, you find yourselves in situations where there's always somebody, there's just always authority figures. And she likes to, she likes to be in charge. And it is a very simple, easy thing for me to take an extra 15 to 20 minutes out of my day and sit in my car and continue to listen to 80s music. I mean, it's not, it wasn't some huge thing that was being asked of me. It was just a very simple way in a very unexpected moment, but I guess unexpected but not particularly surprising, to show a little bit of love to my daughter. And there's moments like this. I mean, there's, just no, there's no rule book for that. Well, how do I best love that? There's no rule book. The situations come, and, and you hope that, God, and you believe that God will show you in each moment the right thing to do. I'll give you one more story. It's fresh off the presses. It's from this morning, actually. I, um, my, my gas light was on this morning, so I had to immediately go to, uh, we go to the Walmart there by the mall to get, that's where I get gas. So normally I wouldn't be over there early in the morning, but, but I did. I filled up with gas. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go to this McDonald's. It's right here. I like to sit a little bit before church and just kind of think through the sermon or whatever. And so I'm, I'm pulling in there, and I see this dude, and he's, he's sitting there in front of the McDonald's, kind of on this little wall, smoking a cigarette. And it was in that moment that God said, that's for you. And I, 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 I don't want to tell the story in such a way that you think that I'm a good person. In my heart, I was like, I'm, Really? And, 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 I, and, and I pulled in, and, 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 and I got out, and sure enough, I turn around, and he is walking right towards me. And he says to me something, and I don't, I don't understand what he says at first. And I said, I'm sorry, sir, what, what did you say? He says, is there any chance that you're going to Springdale? And again, not being an incredibly awesome, I, I took a deep breath, and I was like, where do you need to go? And he, he described some place I didn't know, but it sounded really far away. And, 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 and I said, sure, get on in. And he said, I got to go get my stuff. So we went back into McDonald's and got his stuff. And I pulled my car up, up there to the front door. And he comes out and he gets in the car. Now, you think that this story is about me, but it's not. 
I just need you to make sure that you understood the details of what was going on here. Now I'm going to retell the story from his perspective because I heard the story from his perspective during the entire 15 to 20 minute drive that we had from here to where he needed me to drop him off. He says to me, yeah, I was sitting there on that wall. Like, I mean, I just, I, just a few days ago, I just got out of the hospital, was in this terrible motorcycle accident, and he's shown me this awful scrapes on his legs and on his face. And yeah, and then I was, I, was, I, was, I, I, just, I just got caught in this rainstorm. My clothes are soaked. They're in, they're in this bag. And I was like, I didn't know how I was going to get home. But here's the thing that I did. Is I prayed about it. And I said, God, will you please bring somebody to give me a ride? And here's the thing I knew about God. He loves me, and I love him, and I knew he was going to do it. And then just about a minute later, he said, your ride's coming, but you better put that cigarette out. (laughs) So I did. And then you drove up, and I knew it was you. And so then I asked you, and you said yes, and I knew this is how God is. He just, he just loves like this. He just this is how he loves me. And he loves you. Did you know that? Did you know God? God, he's my, God, he's my, he's like my dad. He's like my best dad. And then Jesus, he's like the best brother I've ever had. Do you know about that? Do you know about God? Do you know about Jesus? I mean, he is spending 15 minutes desperately trying to convert me. He says, man, what's your name? Charlie. Would you mind if I prayed for you? And he begins to pray. He's like, God, just thank you so much for Charlie and him willing to be used by you in this way. And I just pray for him and his family that you will just overwhelmingly bless him today. Amen. He said, I'm excited for you. I said, what do you mean? That God's going to do something awesome for you today. It's going to be big. It's going to be great. He said, man, when that happens, I'll think of you, man. Don't think of me. Think of him. It was about that time we... Um, we pulled up to where I was dropping him off and said goodbye and drove away. The answer to how we love people may be a little bit complicated, a little bit confusing at times. But here's this guy who in, a, in a, an incredibly desperate situation where he has already kind of been met with more disappointment in the last week than many of us could handle who is looking for an opportunity to connect with the God that he knows loves him and is looking for an opportunity, even though he's theoretically the one asking for the favor. He is looking for the opportunity. How can I show love to someone today? And just like him, we need eyes to see and a heart that's willing to say yes to whatever situations, whatever calls to love that God may put before us. Let me pray.